The Diatribe Podcast presents Mamahood, the series, a project that is meant to bring forth the unique stories of all parents from all walks of life. Parenthood is colorful and it looks different on everyone. We tackle various topics on this series that may bring tears to your eyes, laughter to your heart, and hopefully a way for you to connect with other parents. So grab a drink or a coffee because let's be real, it's an essential for us parent folk and tune in with understanding, compassion, and appreciation for these unfiltered conversations. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Mamahood series. I feel like I always start off by saying this episode is super special, but like this one, probably my favorite, hands down. Um, Today we have Frida Banks, and Frida Banks is a storyteller who happens to act, write, and talk shit. When she's not acting on set, conducting interviews, or hosting events, Frida's commitment to arts education has enabled her to work with many brilliant students from Toronto's Malvern and Jane and Finch to displaced communities in Colombia, as well as indigenous resistance movements in South India. As a journalist, Frida has been featured on Vice, the Canadian broadcasting company, as well as contributing to publications such as Elle Magazine and Canadian Living. Frida thrives at the intersection of art and politics. Her social justice initiatives have been recognized by the United Nations, the Art Gallery, as well as the University of California, Berkeley. And Frida is a mama of a beautiful five-year-old. She's beautiful inside and out. And today she's here to talk with me about motherhood and sexuality. Welcome, Frida. Woo! Hey! Oh my God! I am with the one... Curly, what's the kind? I am so excited. I am so excited. Thank you. Thank you, girl. So every, I'm going to share all of Frida's work with you guys because she usually does her own intro and every time you do it, I'm like sucked in and I'm in it. So I hope I did you justice by doing your intro for you. Oh my God. It was bomb. Like I was so excited. Like I just got a burst of energy right now. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, so I hate introing myself. It's a super awkward, weird thing. So I love when, when someone can bring that fire for me. Thank you. With that being said, please explain for the people what you mean by I talk shit. (laughs) (laughs) Real talk. (laughs) Okay, what does it mean that I talk shit? It means that no one's ever asked me that. I love that. I'm going to ask you a lot of firsts. Okay, I love that. I love that. Um, Okay, I think by talking shit, it's a balance between um, allowing your voice to be heard and representing your truths in the world, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, not taking yourself so serious that you can't um, make fun of yourself and you can't joke about things. It's about bringing kind of like entertainment and education together, like kind of this edutainment where Mm. we can talk about things that are serious, but we don't have to take ourselves too serious. Mm, that's beautiful and I know you've explained it before but it's so oh, I have it. that was like totally just really yeah, why yeah no one's ever, I feel like no somebody asked. asked you okay well all right then um well honestly I'm so excited to have you on this series particularly because when it comes to sex and motherhood one you're really open about it and I feel like the only thing that's really discussed around those topics is when intercourse can resume for a woman or how your sex drive has changed after having a baby. But a mother's sexuality is just so much more multifaceted than those two aspects of it. And I think larger conversations need to be had because even myself, someone who I think who has a high sex drive, so much changed for me. And the first thought in my mind is like, 
when is my sex drive going to bounce back? It's one of those things that are related to a woman's physical body, you know? Mm -hmm. So where do you think the idea that equates motherhood with asexuality stems from? Whoa, that's a deep question. Damn. You know? It'd be with the first one. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, I think it comes from, I think where most antiquated ideas come from, which is a mixture of capitalism and colonization. Mm-hmm. I think if we look at the generations of women in our families and our ancestors, um, if we look at the pattern of suppression, of anxiety, of depression, Mm -hmm. Of all of these things that a lot of, especially in the South Asian community, um, our our mothers, our aunties, our grandmothers have gone through. Mm -hmm. um, I think these are where these ideas are passed down. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I say colonization is because we weren't always a people like this. Yeah. And people have to. I always talk about this in in all of my podcasts and all of my talks. The idea that brown people are sexually conservative is actually a modern idea. Yeah. Yes. And if we look at history, there's nothing that would suggest such a thing. In fact, we had a very open, um, sexual, and sensual culture. Who wrote um, the Kama Sutra? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and um, Who has the largest population? <laughs> we just keep making them babies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why? I feel like, so this relates to all mothers, but especially brown culture, like, God yes. forbid you can have five kids, but God forbid anybody thinks you had sex five times. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And this idea, I mean, for me, I come from a Catholic background. Mm -hmm. And so like I went to Catholic school my whole life. I did the whole, you know, baptism, confirmation, all that jazz. And in, in the Catholic faith, you know, this is the idea that one should only have sex to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you know, so yeah, these are Western um, ideologies. And of course, where we come from as well, there's indoctrination um, that sex is something to, pro to only use to procreate. Um, but when we look at things like the sari, um, that's a very sensual cloth that is wrapped around our bodies in such a way to show the beautiful female form. And before the British came and, and before the, the Mughals came and things like that, we were wearing, um, and still to this day, there are many indigenous women all throughout South Asia that wear the sari without a sari blouse. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's just true. The fabric, you know, if it wants to say the fabric, our society is actually quite progressive. Yeah. And I think it's up to us as the new generation to, un to unravel those truths. You know, why do we have to look at the past a hundred years? Why can't I look to the past a thousand years right. of the culture? Why can't I inherit that? Why do I have to inherit um, this, this, modern, this modern idea that, yeah, now this is idea of becoming an auntie. So all yeah. of a sudden you go from a girl to an auntie. Yes. And, and I see people taking on the auntie role who are not even moms yet. Oh my God. That's in, like you said, that's just, I feel like as brown women, that's something that's placed on you. Like, okay, at this certain age, you're going to be an auntie. Right. Exactly. And um, I think more so than a physical restraint, it's a mental indoctrination yes. that's been put on to us. And because we've seen so many people around us role model this idea, and it's not just people in the brown community. I mean, I have friends as well, like post 30, for some reason means that life I, I can't even 
imagine, I don't even, you know, like this is to me, I don't buy into ideologies about my race in terms of, oh, I got to fit this racial box. I don't believe in ideologies when it comes to my gender that I have to fit a particular box. So why the fuck do I buy into anything that has to do with age? It's just another concept that's put into us so that we buy shit to make ourselves feel younger or that we have to buy into something where we've lost something now post 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And we need to, we can gain it back by taking this um, laxative or this face cream or this whatever the fuck it is, right? Period. So I don't buy into age. I think age is just, it's nonsense. Yeah, I, agreed. It. Agreed all the way. And it's funny because I don't take like offense to it. I don't get mad when people say this, but I actually dislike when people tell me, and I, you probably get this all the time too, you don't look like a mom. <laughs> you know, like, I, do you get that? I do. Yeah. A lot. People are like, you have kids. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, and like, I don't know. I don't know if it's my brain, but it's like, I, I immediately think it's not that I'm overthinking, but I immediately think like, what is a mom supposed to look like? What am I supposed to look like to you? Exactly. Can a mom not be more than like how she dresses or how she looks, whatever. Um, and I feel like I'm so sexualized by people, but I'm not trying to be a sexual person. I'm just very in tune with my sensuality and there's a difference, right? How are you sexualized, Curly? I feel like as a brown woman who literally has not worn a bra in over six, seven years, um, who is, you know, just I dress however I want to. I am open about my cannabis consumption in the form of ritual and therapy. And just like I really... Um, I'm like unapologetically who I am regardless of culture. And I, the funny thing about it is that I love my culture and I'm so in tune with it, but I'm in tune with the right aspects of it. Not the, not the like brain brainwashed version. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's, I, that, this is not even something I thought of on my own. One of my girlfriends who's in the Punjabi community told me that she's like, I feel like you're so misunderstood by the community because you, they over-sexualize you. And I'm like, and you know what? That's fine because they don't know that there are very there are still small mind close-minded people who are in our age group who think that a woman should look like a certain way and maybe that because i dress like this or i'm like that that i'm not a good wife or or mother but do do i show these motherfuckers that they are wrong yeah um and i've because of me being my true self and honestly having a daughter and my daughter being who she is has really allowed me to be that and encourages me to be that um, I have connected with more like-minded mothers and women. And it's just weird. Like, like I said, I'm very in tune with my divine feminine. So even when I'm in sweatpants or not trying at all, I still feel sexy. I still feel sensual and I embrace it. And motherhood has become such a singular thing. You know, it's yes. like mothers think about the fifties and sixties, for example, all the commercials are a woman who looks like uh, this perfect image dress, not too tight, just fully put together while she's cooking, taking care of the kids, laundry's done. And she's standing over her husband who's sitting at the dinner table and she's serving his dinner and she's not even eating yet. And she's in an apron. Like it sounds really extreme, but that's the motherhood image that's still associated with people in Western culture. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't even know personally how I became a voice to talk about sexuality. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's so funny because I'm like, how the fuck did I become this person? I feel there are so many people who are probably much more equipped to speak about sexuality than I am in, in just in terms of them perhaps like studying it or, um, 
I don't know, like just yeah. maybe being more versed in it. But I think by default of people in my community, just not talking about it at all. Yeah, I have become this person. So it's funny when you're like, um, it, it still kind of shocks me when people say, and I know you mentioned it as well, that I see your posts and um, it kind of stands out to me that you're very comfortable in your sexuality and, and you speak on it. And, mm-hmm. and to me, I don't even think I'm really speaking on it. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't even think I'm really speaking on it. But I, I think of default by of being brown, I'm representing something that needs to be represented and I'm happy to fill that. That's exactly what it is because this is not the only thing I've, I've gotten from you and in, in our interactions and in our friendship that we've built. I've taken so much from you um, in terms of like knowledge and just like everything you stand for. But I think to answer that question or that thought of yours is that you just embody these things naturally, um, like that balance and that realness, you know, between like, like I keep saying, just that motherhood is not one way. Like you can be sexy you can be yourself you can be an actress you can be an activist like you are the poster child for like you could literally be everything because you do so much all across the board thank you boo that's so sweet i'm, bl- I'm really blushing. Like, wow, thank you. I, mean, I mean that and it's like inspiring and so when i thought of like i wanted to have you on this this episode i really thought like mm-hmm. you're good at encouraging other women of color to tune into themselves and i feel like that the guidance you give um, in terms of sex and sexuality is like literally relatable for anyone because everyone struggles with it, even men. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think becoming a mom really freed me up to actually talk about it. Mm. You know, I think I was always a person who was, um, curious about sexuality, sensuality. I was always told very much like yourself from the time that I was younger, that there was, uh, this energy that I was putting out, but I wasn't in tune with it. And I think when I was young, that was such a dangerous thing. Right. I think for young girls, I, I never tried to be the pretty girl. I never tried to be the sexy girl. I, in fact, was trying to be the opposite. Mm-hmm. And because I grew up in a very white environment from basically grade eight to grade 12, which is very much my formative years, mm-hmm. I never really saw myself as, I never appreciated my physical self. I always sort of put stock into my intellect Mm. and I never really and I and I think I suffered for for so long from such low self-esteem that I never really used to look in the mirror too much as a teenager I never really put on makeup I I always had style and Mm. I and I love my style and my kicks and all that type of stuff but I wasn't too much um I guess I didn't accept or I wasn't fully um, in recognition of my femininity in a way. And it wasn't to say that like nobody paid me attention, but in my white school, like I was also very outspoken. So even if someone did have a crush on me or anything like that, nobody was trying to come and talk to me. <laughs> like I literally, like I had nobody be like, Oh, can we like do seven minutes in heaven and spin the- <laughs> like nobody, bro. I got no play. Like there were no days for me, like none, zero. That's so and- funny. Yeah, you know, like, no, I was never like, oh, you know, so-and-so might have a crush. Like, there was nothing, like, nothing. <laughs> did you have, like, sex talks? With, did your parents, I should say, have sex talks with you in high school at all? Oh, my God, no. And I would have puked if they tried. No, 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 <laughs> no. 
uh, they did it. But my mother, you know, the one thing about my mother and my grandmother, I would say that they were they were in touch with their sexuality in the sense that they were very beautiful, attractive women who knew it. Really? Yeah. So my mom is hella sexy, you know, and I think I wrote a post a while ago and I said before Instagram and before social media, the first brown woman, the first, you know, uh, Sri Lankan woman that I ever saw wear a bikini was my mom. Nice. Yeah. And she, you know, she's was very hot. Like, well, I don't know any other way to put it than that. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I love that because like, so literally just today I posted something on my podcast story about <laughs> how um, this generation of, of parents to brown babies are doing a better job at like showing them that certain parts of their like just their bodies are it's all normal like doesn't matter what you look like hair is normal especially like that was something I was talking about when I was younger my mom and my aunts they were swag the fuck out like we were really poor so they would do things um and that's really like that's that's where I learned my I guess quote-unquote aesthetics but it's natural right like my aunts and my mom would like decide they're going for drinks or going to the bar and we're poor so what what do they do they have a cute pair of shoes they wear my uncle's dress shirt and my dad's blazer with nothing underneath and put red lipstick on and they're going to the club you know um and they really I feel like they're that's where I got my sensuality from whether they realized it or not they embodied that for me um and they still had their like reservedness because of South Asian culture. Like there was no conversation, there was no dialogue about anything. That was the only problem. Um, I feel like I would have been better equipped as a teenager if there was more dialogue. And I had zero self-confidence and self-esteem probably till like my mid twenties. Me too. And like, I, there was like a phase in my, I guess like my twenties, I did like my love myself and things like that, but I was still very much not in tune with the person I really was. And it's just crazy because like I said, now we're doing a better job at letting our kids know that these things are normal. And like sex is not a bad thing. Sex should be for pleasure as well. And like, yeah, I don't care if my daughter's 12, 13, whatever. If she comes to me and wants to have the conversation, I'm going to openly have that conversation with her um, and teach her the healthy aspects of it and the beautiful aspects of it and the loving and the sexy aspects of it. And he's like, oh my God, no way. Like, I can't believe it. And I'm like, what? We had sex. Like, what the hell, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I, that's so beautiful because that's exactly where I think I got a lot of my swag. And in fact, 100% of my swag comes from my mom and my grandma. Yeah. And yeah. My mom was hella sexy, man. Like, I don't know what to say. This lady was in short shorts. She had just a very, she, my mom has a knack for style and interior design and she's never seen a magazine or she's never owned a Vogue, nothing like that. And, um, you know, when you look in her closet, it's amazing, you know, and she, that's just something that came from within. And, um, and I definitely saw that I think, and I appreciated it and it rubbed off on me, like you said, in ways that I didn't even understand. Maybe now I can understand better than I did as a, as a teenager. It was embarrassing actually, because I didn't even want to bring my mom around places. People would be making comments. <laughs> and I wanted to beat the shit out of people. I'll be like, yo, bro, that's my mom. Like, yo, it was, it was embarrassing as a kid because everywhere we would go, she would get hollered at. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. You, you got to share a picture of your mom, like present day and back in the day. Cause we got to yeah, know. A back in the day, there's a back in the day pick of her, like back, back, back in the day, I think on her honeymoon when she was like 20 years old. Okay. Um, 
um like one picture but yeah now that you say that I will I will I don't like sharing my family on social media because it's the most sacred thing to me so I'm not one like because I've got criticized actually for that as a mom some people are like oh are you like are you trying to be single and I'm like yo seriously there's a reason why I don't post my man or my child like I've posted little bits here and there yeah I really like to keep my sacredness and my family life to me I don't I don't think the internet needs that no and I'm glad you said that yeah and I but the thing is is I love when other people share like I love when you share stuff with your daughter I love when my friends do it makes me so happy but it's just a personal decision like I, I have a weary relationship with the internet I love it and at the same time I don't want to put all my sacred things on the internet so I love that you shared that because I know like I share a lot of Raina on my stories and every like once in a while you'll see my family on my on my timeline but I'm not a mom blogger and I'm not hating on mom bloggers. I love them, but I'm not a mom blog. Like my Instagram is my Instagram. It, exactly. what, what you're going to see is me, my gang shit, my my me doing ratchet shit with my friends and me, you know, just being myself and oftentimes like people have told me like, Raina should be on it more. You should start a page for Raina. And I'm like that. I don't want to, she doesn't even like when I'm like holding a phone in her face. Um, yeah. Yep. And like, whatever you guys see of her is like totally organic and she's open to it, but like it's far and in, it's, it's far and in between, right? Like when we go to, um, family events and stuff, we often get family photos, but very rarely will I decide to share it because, I want to remind people that like, this is my Instagram. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I will get to the, get to an age where she'll be like, mom, post this. And I'll gladly do it if she wants me to. Exactly. But, um, she wants to grow up and have her own Instagram. She can have it. And I can teach her how to properly use things like that. Yeah. And the time will come. Like our kids are growing up in an age where the digital, like technology is everything. Digital world is everything. So she'll get there. I'm not trying to make my Instagram for her because she does not know what Instagram is. You know what? Even for me, I'm I'm bad in the sense that sometimes I'm a rebel in so many ways. It's annoying, and I, I know it. that baby pics get all the likes. I know when you introduce your child on Instagram, it gets a thousand likes. I know when you post a picture with your man and you'd be like hashtag interracial couple, hashtag mm-hmm. black and brown love. I know all that motherfucking shit will get the likes. But you know what? Fuck that. Like me for me. Exactly. Like period. me for motherfucking me. That's gonna be the name of this episode. Period. Like me for me. <laughs> but yeah, like, but like, I know how that shit will get likes. I know it will get traction. I know the hashtags will blah fuckity blah. But you know mm-hmm. what? Yo, I don't. I just don't want to play that game. Facts and like on my, <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. I love that we got into it into this part of the conversation because honestly, I've been judged. Like people think because I'm not sharing my family 24 seven that I'm a bad mom or I'm not this the, a good mom. But I'm like, yo, this social media, my Instagram is an extension of me. And it's me like I'm going to if I have a cute picture of myself, I'm going to post it. I'm not, you know, revolving my day around what I'm going to post about my family, because I'm trying yeah. to connect with people on my social media for myself. And truthfully, I've connected with so many great moms through it, um, you know, related to like the local mom community and stuff. But that's not for me posting my daughter. That's for me finding this group of women and networking with them and talking to them and learning through them that like, we're so much more than just our families and our motherhood journey. Like we're also ourselves. And I think maybe that's a way that we don't share, we don't need to share that important aspect of our lives. Like I don't need to put everything about my family out there. And honestly, my husband does not give a fuck about social media. Like he does not go on it. He only got Instagram 
probably because I'm on it, um, like not to watch me or whatever, but just to like share memes and stuff like that. But he doesn't even check it on a weekly basis. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the thing is, there's such a divide between how men can get away with Instagram and women. Yeah. And and I just find it so interesting. It's, It's no judgment. It's an interesting thing that I see a lot of women post the ring emoji like mm-hmm. I'm a Christian, I'm a wife and I'm a mom. And I'm like, cool. Like that's how you want to represent yourself to the world. Dope. I just, I don't see. And what's an interesting fact is I don't see men doing that. I don't see them having no, no. emoji of a ring no or a family on their bio. And if they're a DJ, it's like, could be a slice of pizza as their fucking profile. Pic. <laughs> like, basically, Why do they get to be weird and they get to be obscure and they get to be artists? I'm a fucking artist. I'm weird. I'm obscure. It's so true. There's so much judgment on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't feel the need to be like, I'm taken. I'm this. No, be like, I'm me. I'm free to Like, that's it. And you know, you know how many mom friends that I have and I love them for it. They've posted like, you know, their, their sweatpant outfit. And it's like, this is how I look every day. It's great. And like, I'm like that most days too. Like, probably 90% yeah. of the time, but they're putting it out there to be like, I'm a better mom because I'm not, whether they realize it or not, they're putting it out there with the expectation of like giving off that feel that like, I'm a better mom. Cause I don't focus on how I look. Yeah. But like I, if I look a certain way, it's for me. Like I will be in the house yeah, yeah, in leggings and a crop top. And my leggings is just like over my tummy, but my crop top, just cause I want to be cute in the house. Like and oh, you yeah. a picture of me, you know, like not everything needs to be out there to portray a certain image. And honestly, it goes back to us talking about motherhood and sexuality. Like women are, are almost scared to show that like, yeah, we're sexual beings too. Like we like sex. Yes. Yes. We're allowed to. We made, that's how we made babies. Like I said, if you could give like women and mothers in general, any advice in terms of like embracing themselves as a whole and their mm-hmm. sexuality, I know that's such a fully loaded question. What would you say? Hmm. Well, one thing I try to make it my point not to do is give um, motherly advice. Mm. I guess as women. It's a it's a very tricky thing. Like if people ask, like you're asking me now and I can tell it's coming from an earnest place. So of course I'm going to share some things with you. Mm-hmm. But I try not to advise people on motherhood because n- number one, I think the motherhood journey, while we where there are certain parallels that we share, it is such an individualistic journey. Yes. It really is. Yes. And that's, that, yeah, sorry, go ahead, girl. No, no, I was going to say that's like my, actually my biggest takeaway from this mamahood series. I already knew that, but talking to all the mamas, like I've talked to dads too, even, even between like moms and dads, we have so many differences, so many different journeys, experiences, and stories. But at the end of the day, we have similar things that we struggle with or similar things that we love or like what our purpose is or whatever. But everybody is so unique. Yes, yes. And, and to embrace that. Mm-hmm. And what my journey is going to look like is going to be different than someone else's journey, just even based on socioeconomics, based on, um, you know, what um, generational issues we're bringing forward, right? Mm. I think I think our mothering is not just based on... One thing I can tell about parenting is parenting has to do with, yes, the person you are in this context today, but our parenting has to do with our father and our mother and our great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers and great-great-great-grandmothers. And that's one thing I see so 
freaking clearly mm. is that we are not parenting just on our own. We are parenting with the mistakes and the, and the good things that our family has given us for generations that is in our DNA. So yes. if you, for example, if you come from a family where you had three generations of alcoholics, mm-hmm. well, then, then those addictions and that, that, um, maybe being able to fall into addictions easier than someone else is literally going to be in your DNA. It's true. I'm what you just, that example you gave, that's literally me. Word. That's literally me. And I'm the first one in my family to be like, no more. Like we're not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be the fourth generation of that or fifth generation, probably 10th, who knows, right? I don't know my ancestors and their story. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that's something that I've been trying to dig deeper into for the last maybe five months. I've been trying to, like my, my grandma on my dad's side who passed away when, in her 80s, she didn't even know what her, what her birthday was or what her actual real full name was supposed to be. They just put whatever on the birth certificate in Malaysia because there was a language difference, right? Yes. Um, so I'm trying to find my ancestors. I'm in the process of that just so I can try to get some sort of guidance from them just in terms of learning them. I, don't, I won't know their story, but to know them is different, right? And like, we don't know, like we carry all these different things. And anyways, like I was saying, I've made it a point to like be aware of my shit and it made my motherhood journey so difficult at first. And I think that's normal for a lot of us. And I'm not um, coming from a place of self-pity. I'm like so grateful for that. I'm grateful that I, I dug deep into that shit and like went through it. And I felt like I was crazy for a bit. And I was, I probably was. Um, So what was, when you became a mom, I know your daughter's five years old now. When you first became a mom, what did it look like for you? Like, did you go through that um, mental phase of like, holy shit, what's my sex life going to look like? What's my partnership going to look like? How is everything going to change? Because I was definitely stressed at first um, regarding my relationship dynamic. Um, Can I say one thing before I say that? Because I know you in the advice part. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would like to say if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, So the one thing that I tell all parents, um, so it's advice but non-advice, is the one thing that you can do for your child Mm -hmm. is take care of your own motherfucking shit. Mm. Knowledge of self is key to being a parent. Yes. Okay? It's not about the blogs. It's not about how many recipes, you know, it's not even about how much money you have in your savings account. And people are going to look at me like I'm crazy for saying this, but I think the biggest, biggest gift you can give to your child is number one, going to therapy. Number two, getting to know yourself. Number three, dealing with generational traumas. Number four, dealing with whatever issues you have at hand, starting to really love yourself if you haven't started that journey before. Because children are the closest thing in our house that we have to God. Mm -hmm. They are so connected to every source. Mm -hmm. So your child, from the time they're in your womb, is so knowledgeable. They, you know, our children have chosen us. It's not the other way around. You know, we come, yeah, we have sex, boom, we have a child. But that child, that soul, you know, I come from a philosophy and a, and a worldview in which that child chooses us for some reason, mm-hmm. for some beautiful uh, reason. They've chosen us. And so they are coming with so much knowledge. And it's for us as parents 
we have our whole life with our child to unravel those reasons, those beautiful reasons of why they came to us. Mm-hmm. And our children will pick up everything. They will pick up every single thing. If you don't like the way you look, your child will pick that up in one fucking second. Absolutely. If you don't like yourself, if you don't think you can do stuff in life, if you um, are suffering with mental health, your child will absorb all of those things. And it's not to say that you need to be perfect as soon as they're born. Hell no. It just means start the journey. It means clean up yourself. It means face your demons. And it's, and I didn't think that's what we should all be doing as human beings in life anyways, because we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be whole. Life is a journey where you're always going to be learning new things. You're always going to be unraveling more layers and you're always going to be seeing things hopefully that you need to work on. Yeah. Um, so there's no, this, this, this idea that you're going to be a perfect parent as soon as the child comes, I say, throw that out of the window. Yes. And start the journey of healing and self-love, like I said, if it hasn't already been started. And that is the biggest gift. That's more than uh, sending your child to university. It's better than, you know, being able to send them to the best Montessori in the city. It's better than all that fucking shit. Deal with yourself. Face yourself. I feel like I I could just record you talking for three hours and listen to it in the morning, like as my (laughs) son. I might do that with this episode. You're gassing me, girl. Stop. (laughs) Um, did Did you experience that early on in motherhood? Like, I know healing is a continuous journey and like you always need to, it's not just a one-time thing. Did you, did you indulge in that like early in motherhood and realize like, yo, I have a whole ass human now that I want to nurture and raise right and be present for, and I'm going to have my days where I fuck up and it is what it is, but. Yep. Yep. My mat leave was almost like living like a monk. Wow. Like I wake up, I take care of my child um, you know, feed her, whatever have you. Then I sweep the house. Then I do this. It was living such a simple life. And because I didn't post anything about it, I didn't blog anything about it. It was a very private journey with me and my child. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel the pressure, nothing to me, the external didn't matter to me. Matt leave was a beautiful excuse to deal with myself and my demons. And, and I had a lot, Mm -hmm. I had a lot there were so many ways that I was abusing myself. There were wow. so many ways that I was torturing myself with um, different traumas that I had been through since I was a child. Wow. And I had a very important, you know, I call her, she's like my spiritual mom. She's my auntie. Mm-hmm. And she gave me the best words of wisdom that I think any mother could have, which she, she says, now, when I was pregnant, she told me, now is the time to put yourself first. Wow. And I thought, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. what do you mean? Because it totally flipped the paradigm on me because we're so used to hearing, okay, now the sacrifice is to put, uh, as a mom, you're going to go to the back burner and you're going to put your child first. Right. And when she told me that, I couldn't fully understand what it meant. But as I started going back to her words, I was like, oh, shit. If yeah. I'm not happy, my child won't be happy. Mm-hmm. If I am depressed, my child will feel the brunt of that depression. Truly. If I do not follow my dreams, my child will live with a mother who never tried um, to fulfill her life purpose. Mm, and that, that gave me the, the fire that I needed. And it gave me the wisdom that I needed to change that paradigm shift 
and put myself first. That doesn't mean putting yourself first that you neglect anything. It means that you fight for yourself. Yep. You fight for yourself out here. And maybe you didn't necessarily have that opportunity to, to do that before. It didn't because when you're, when you're in your twenties and you're going through life, it's like, I always take it like this. I had the intellectual knowledge that I was a strong woman, Mm -hmm. not the heart knowledge. Yes. The intellectual knowledge is a lot of what this wokeness is, is about, which is like, yeah, I know I'm a strong woman. I know I'm a strong woman of color. I know that yes, self-love, I'm going to draw a bubble bath. And like, that is my self-love. And like, it's all so external. It is. All the things that we say that sound good. I said all the things that I thought would sound good on a podium. Mm. But did I really know what it meant to dig deep and tear away the self-hatred? I don't think I had understood that as of yet. That's powerful. If ev- Imagine if every woman felt that and worked through that. We would fuck this shit up out here. <laughs> yeah, because then it's not just something that you say intellectually. It's something that resides in your heart. It's something that you live. It's something that now you're changing your, it's not scientific, but you're changing the DNA in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the, it's the spiritual scientific aspect. I'm going to just make my own term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know, like me and you, like we can have that, we can exchange this dialogue and it really means something to us and it's truthful and it's our story um, where the people who will focus on the external factors won't get it. And those are the same people who are not truly happy or satisfied with their environments or with the parents they are. And I'm not even saying that again to hate on them. It's just the reality. Yeah, because I mean when you focus on the external and if you're looking, especially with a child for external, um, what would you call it? Like gratification or something like that. Acceptance, gratification. Yes. Then you're, then you're always going to be the loser. Mm. You're never going to win. There's always going to be another mom that bakes better than you. There's always going to be another mom that has her kid in fucking private school getting A++. There's always going to be somebody better. Yeah, there really will be. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to switch it a little bit and ask you something that that I'm just genuinely curious to know because me and my husband are always on this journey as well. How do you and your hubby keep your sexy your romantic um, aspect of your relationship alive after having a kid? Okay. Yeah. It's a priority. (laughs) No, it's a priority. And to me, I would say the only time that it's not a priority is if there's some other things that my husband and I need to work out because I'm a person that I'm just like, like you, I'm in touch with my sexuality. I feel like when I had a child and I'm breastfeeding and this child is coming from my body. I don't know what a more sexual experience is in life that one can have. Truth. <laughs> like, Truth. that's it, bro. Like, that's it. At the essence, it's there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, um, that one needs to have that experience to be sexual. Hell no. But in terms of my life, like, for me, I was like, man, nobody can tell me shit. You want to sexualize my breasts? I fed a child with these breasts. Speak on it. Tell me nothing about these breasts anymore. 
mm-hmm. you can't tell me anything about these hips or anything like I birthed a child mm-hmm. I became like this kind of almost like took on this like it's not really like a grandma role but almost like this kind of OG like I'm gonna OG own- goddess yeah, like I'm going to own this and whatever I felt ashamed before, because, you know, I, I would feel a little bit shy sometimes. I'd be like, oh, is this too much? Because somebody told me it was too much or whatever. Yeah. I fully embraced that sexual side. I think that was always a part of me. Mm-hmm. And I started to like, instead of not being aware of it, I started to become aware of it and not be ashamed of it. Mm. And I could, and nobody can shame me about it now because it's like, you have no idea what I've done with this body. Yes. You know? And um, going through that, like I, I always say, I birthed me, not the other way around. Ooh. She gave birth to me. She gave birth to the woman I am now. I was not this woman before I had my daughter. Wow. You know? You're there was aspects of it. Yeah. yeah like, like people would say, oh yeah, you were always an explorer. You were always, you know, a shit talker. You were always intellectual, blah, blah, blah. People will say this. Yes. But in terms of the way I own it, mm-hmm. never owned it mm-hmm. until I had my daughter. Wow. It's so powerful because I can relate to you 100% on that. Um, and I never, I always knew that my daughter really gave me that power to come into myself and return to myself. But to put it in terms of she gave birth to me yes, is the most underrated thing I have ever heard in any conversation I've had with any parent, period. Because mm. it's really so true. And to allow your, chi- allow your mind to open up and understand that your child is giving you that grace and that power in a sense, um, it's, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful and it's so powerful. And I love that so much. I'm, I'm so happy that you that you feel that and, and that you, yeah, because I, I wouldn't be the woman I am without my child. My child brought me closer to God. My child brought me closer to myself. My child gave me all the gifts in life. The most important gifts in this world, my child gave me. And, um, when I was pregnant, you know, people would ask me these things too. How's your sex life? And how do you feel? I'm kind of scared when I get pregnant. And I was like the pregnancy ambassador when I was pregnant. I don't know what the hell, but like, I'd be talking about it. And like young girls would be like, man, I want to have a kid. <laughs> Cause you loved it. Loved it. And I felt sexy and beautiful when I was pregnant. Thank God. I, I didn't have any complications. I didn't have, there was mental stresses I needed to get through because I was not like a planned pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so I think when it comes to like the economics and like I was an artist, my husband was an artist, we didn't have anything like, there was no savings, there was, there was no nothing like that. It was just like, okay, boom, like you have a child. So I think with the exception of the mental stresses of like all of a sudden going from being a, very much like a free spirit, I was about to like, like fucking book a ticket to Brazil, bro. And then I was like, I think I'm pregnant. Shit, bro. You are the, like, I was the, in the exact same place as you. Me and my husband were about two months into our relationship when we found out we were pregnant. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. We had known each other for a long time. Um, and this man fully told me like, I'm gonna put a baby in you. So yes, she was a surprise baby, but also we were like, we know what we was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was, um, it was like that. So for me, the mental stuff, but then the physical part of the pregnancy, man, I felt so beautiful. Yeah. I felt so curvaceous. I felt so like my skin was glowing. I, oh. I really enjoyed pregnancy, to be honest with you. And um, 
like even my orgasms during pregnancy were so live, like they were beyond. And yeah. um, there were so many things that I even, that I didn't even know that I could do sexually that I realized I could do while I was pregnant. That is so beautiful. I swear, like you're bringing life into this, in, onto this planet. So you're just more in tune. You're more in tune and like- If you like, choose to be. Yeah, like people if would be like, oh, how's your sex life? And I'm like, my sex life is so fucking turned. You're like, I'm seven months pregnant. I'm doing backflips and this and that. <laughs> it was so turned. And I think also the pressure, like you don't have to worry about getting pregnant because you're already pregnant. Mm. So you're not, you know, like it, it's like uh, do whatever you want. Listen, when we found out we were pregnant, um, my husband instantly had tears in his eyes. And the first thing he said was, thank you for giving me a family because he has two siblings. They live on like his daughter, his daughter, his sister lives in Florida. His brother lives in Vancouver. So they're like on different coastlines and both of his parents have passed away. So for him, it was like a moment where his family and his life and his bloodline came full circle and he's in the position to be creating life with somebody that he really loves. And I know we were only two months into it, but we knew each other for a very long time and we were very much in tune with each other and in a very healthy relationship. Um, So I wasn't scared at all. We were both very happy. Um, But then the next thing he said to me was, I really want to make love to you right now. And we literally had sex like four times, (laughs) like back to back to back to back. And it was like different. Like we really made love. So I totally, and even when we, throughout my pregnancy, this man was like literally on me all the time in a, in a nice way. And even after like, you know, when you give birth, they see everything. I remember like a couple weeks into it when, when we finally had a moment of like, okay, like we know, like when she's sleeping, like we have a moment, whatever at this time of day, like you don't ever get into a schedule until they're a few months old, but we had some, some shit together at that point. And he's like, you know what? I'm even more attracted to you physically and, and mentally now, if that's even possible. Um, because I've seen what you're, what you're capable of. And he's like, you brought our daughter into this world and now you're like nursing her, taking care of her and like still like walking around. Like, he's like, do you understand? Like he told me, he's like, do you understand what you just did? Mm. And that made us way more connected as well because I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know, the, the emotions and the hormones and I'm just bawling. I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) That's so beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that, that he's was such a big part as well of like empowering you. Yeah. I was so grateful for that. And I know we have to wrap up soon, but a big part of like my pregnancy and after the fact, you know, like everybody else, I dealt with mental health issues as well. And a lot of just different things going on after the fact and emotions and stuff. But I feel like it's really easy for mothers to feel super out of touch with themselves especially after holding your baby all day or like tending to children all day. And for me, a big form of getting back in tune with myself on a different level was kind of making love to myself. And that's not like just masturbation. It's, you know, looking at myself in the mirror after giving birth, like staring at myself because a lot of us avoid that, you know, I would stare at myself. Um, I would talk to myself in the mirror. I would take time after the shower, you know, like you, you put oil or lotion on yourself, but I would do it intentionally. I would sit down. I would put my favorite robe on. I would do it. I would massage myself. And then I would go about my day. 
And I really would walk out of those situations feeling sensual, even though I was still limping and still bleeding, you know, out of the vagina and things like that. Like those things are all part of the journey and they can, you can still feel sexy through anything. Absolutely. And it's like, I I felt very close to my husband after we, um, after I gave birth, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wanted to, like, I couldn't wait till that six week period or whatever was (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think we even went a little bit earlier, but like, I, I just, I'm not saying for folks at home to do that, but I'm, yeah. it was like a lot earlier, but it was, I, I tried to keep it interesting, even in the time in the six weeks where I couldn't, like there was something in me that really wanted to express myself, you know, that love that I had for my child. It was not something that was only between my child and I, that love spread to everybody I knew Mm. it spread to my take on the world it spread to my husband that love was an infectious love Mm. and um I wanted to express that to my husband as well as to my baby at the same time you were like in full lioness mama mode I guess so yeah that's so beautiful yeah I just want to ask you one last thing so we can wrap up. I know, like, like I said, we could go on forever, but if you have a final word for women, men, mamas, papas listening and like partners who are listening right now, don't get caught up with social media. That's what I would say. You know, don't get caught up with social media because it really has a way of making you feel like shit as a parent and as a mom. Yeah. I think there's so many, like this whole idea of becoming snatched and snapped back mm-hmm. and all of this shit, it really fucks with people. And it, and it certainly fucks with me as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I'm sharing a lot of my positive experiences because I want to share positive experiences of pregnancy and giving birth because unfortunately our society doesn't share those things. Yeah. So many yeah. women think that it's a burden. Many women believe it to be this thing where you lose yourself and is there going to be struggles where you have to, that you go through? Of course, it's always going to be like that, whether you're a mom or not, just being an individual in the society, you're going to go through struggles. But there's a reason why I choose to express the positive sides of it, because we should be putting um, maternalness and pregnancy and all that stuff in a positive way as well. Right. Um, We don't hear about it enough, but I, I would say that I went through my own struggles, definitely being an actor um, you know, just like, like, how the fuck does she look like that? <laughs> like, I've gone through that so many times. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and, to so- add, and to add to your point, like social media, when you're a parent, it also fucks with your relationship. Right, right, right. There's like, these unrealistic expectations. And I always talk about this on my podcast. The memes out there are so stupid. Like they're teaching you to base your relationship off of text messages and lack of tone in text messages like first of all why are you not having in-person relations with this person that you want to be with period why are you basing (laughs) it off text messages like truthfully my husband has never been like a phone type person if i based our relationship off that i wouldn't have this incredible man in my life Thank you, Frida, for doing this. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this sermon brought to you by (laughs) Frida Banks. Hey!